Hello, thank you. Thank you for being here. My name is Jesse Lawrence. Welcome to The Office Ball Z, Episode 1. The only podcast you've ever listened to, I'm assuming. This is going to be a great time. I'm, I'm super excited to get this going. Uh, I'm just a huge fan of both The Office and Dragon Ball and wanted to bring them together in a way that has never been done before because why would it be? So, in some way, whether big or small, I'm just going to try to relate these two shows together. And, you know, maybe by the end of this journey, uh, we'll realize that The Office is just a shot-for-shot remake of Dragon Ball Z. That and more surprises coming your way. Uh, First, let me give you a little bit of a scenario of what my life is all about. Right, John Candy? Uh... I'm 27, I'm from New Jersey, and I still live in New Jersey, although I have lived in Nashville for a little bit. Um, I'm a, I'm a drummer, I've been playing in bands for a little bit over 10 years now, and thanks to COVID, that seems like it may come to an end pretty soon, so now I have to do this fucking thing. (laughs) Um, no, but yeah, um. Nothing nothing too crazy. I'm not that serious of a guy. I love entertainment and being entertained. So hopefully I can entertain you with this. Um, full warning. This is for fans of one or both of these shows. And on both shows, we're going to go ahead and just full spoilers. Okay? Full spoiler warning. And I'll tell you that this first episode, we're starting off pretty deep. <laughs> we're not going to be going, uh, excuse me, I kind of burped there. Uh, we're not going to be going, um, you know, episode one of The Office, episode one of Dragon Ball. We're not going to be uh, going like that week to week. Instead, what we're going to do is, like I said, I'm just trying to (laughs) relate these shows to each other somehow. So (laughs) pretty much whatever dumb ideas I come up with in my my head and write down in my notes there, um, I'm just going to go with that. So uh, one of the the first things I thought of is pretty silly (laughs) and stupid. So uh, we're going to kick it off strong, baby. And uh, both of these... Things Well, I'm going to be talking about an episode of The Office, and I'm going to be talking about a movie of Dragon Ball. I'm going to keep it a little secret, although if you see the title of this episode, you probably see where this is going. Um, both of these things are about, I, would, I think, over 150 episodes in to each series. So, you know, like I said, all spoilers are off here, okay? And uh, I want to I want to start by talking about an episode of The Office, Garage Sale, season seven, episode nineteen, it was premiered on March twenty fourth, two thousand eleven, written by John Vitti, who I have no idea who he is. I was looking up him a little bit. He was a consulting producer on The Office for most of its run. Uh, he was also a writer on The Simpsons, The Larry Sanders Show. So great great stuff there and then he also wrote the angry birds movie so uh you know if angry birds taught him anything you you rise and you fall i guess 
Uh, this episode was also directed by none other than Steve Carell, Michael Scott himself. And he actually directed two other episodes. He directed Broke, which is in season five, the Michael Scott paper company arc. You know, where, where they, uh, I believe that's the episode where they sell back to Dunder Mifflin. Um, and then Secretary's Day, which was season six, where he takes uh, he takes Aaron out to dinner, you know? <laughs> uh, oh, that's, uh, that's such a good one. I guess lunch, rather. But uh, when I was in the orphanage, my hair was my room. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. Um, yeah, I love it. So, uh, yeah, so Steve Carell, he, he directed those three episodes there. He's written two episodes of The Office as well, um, just for everybody's information. Uh, he, he wrote... Casino Night, which is debatably, you know, the best episode, technically speaking. And uh, he also wrote Survivor Man, where uh, he, Michael goes out into the woods and Dwight's kind of with him, you know, hiding out from a distance. And uh, I wonder how much of that episode was actually scripted or how much he really, you know, just went wild with the improv and kind of you know showed showed NBC and and the staff or whatever the script but then was like you know when we really film this we'll we'll get going uh you know I love to think about that but uh anyway today we're talking about garage sale uh, like I said before kind of a weird episode to start with for episode 1 as this is episode 19 of season 7 of the office but um it's a great episode you know it really is a lot a lot of big stuff happens in this episode and uh we're just kind of going to go through it here. So this starts off with uh, the titular character of the garage sale being held in the warehouse. Uh, the cold opening is Oscar and Pam. Uh, Pam's making uh, some Will and Grace jokes. You know, oh, you like big big Will and Grace fan? No, everybody always thinks I am, you know. And then uh, speaking of cold open, everybody's yelling at Dwight to close the door because it's freezing. Oh, this, what's going to bring the customers in? The signs will bring them in, you know, this and that. And uh, Andy jumps on Dwight. It's kind of a big, you know, Dragon Ball fight there between Andy and Dwight. A lot of uh, mountains crumbling and all. So uh, then we get the we get the intro to the office classic. And uh, let's see if I can whistle it. Snuck in a little Dragon Ball intro there, but also that whistle was probably terrible. Uh, my friends will love to hear that one there. Uh, they give me shit all the time for how terribly I whistle. But I have practiced every day for about, uh, I don't know, the past three years or so. I've gotten actually a lot better. But uh, <laughs> So the episode starts off, and we get Dwight. You know, uh, He's looking at Meredith's table for her garage sale. But, but the, the garage sale is everybody in the office is selling their own kind of things. And I guess that we have, you know, in the beginning, we see Dwight opening the door, you know, what's going to drive in the customers and everything. I guess the idea is that random people are coming here, but I don't think we really see any random, um, you know, uh, what is that word? <laughs> Whatever. Random actors, background actors. Can't uh, I can't think of the word there, but uh oh well, whatever. <laughs> I don't I don't think we ever actually see anybody random in the uh, in the garage. So I think we pretty much just see office cast members. But um, anyway, so Dwight Dwight is standing there at Meredith's uh, table, and he says, "Oh, you know, uh, 
he says, "Hey, your sign's a little uh, <laughs> your sign's a little crooked here. You need a thumbtack." And uh, 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 not so fast, you know. And then he goes, "Shrewds are farmers by hobby and traders by trade." So Dwight sets up this whole thing here, where he's going to start with a thumbtack and try to trade his way up and get the best thing in the garage sale. So what he does is right off the bat, we see him trade Meredith the thumbtack for a used candle. Uh, then we cut to Michael and Holly, who are dating. Their table is getting set up. Michael pulls out the St. Pauli girl sign, which we've seen from Dinner Party. Debatably also the best episode, as far as maybe comedy and awkwardness is concerned. Uh, Kevin's like, I'll give you... Uh, I don't even know I don't even know what the numbers are. I'll give you 100 bucks. Uh, I paid 500 for it. And, you know, get, get lost, he says. And then, then he looks into the camera and he says, and that's how you do it. <laughs> um, and then you get Mo- you get uh, Holly and Michael kind of going back and forth about, uh, you know, oh, we could put some of this storage just in case. And then Michael's all, well, I don't have it in case. Do you have it in case? No, I don't have it in case because you're starting to get the idea that, you know, they've been dating for a while now. You know, they've had a couple seasons where they were dating and then they got separated and then now they're dating again. And it seems like they're pretty serious. And, you know, we know that Michael really loves Holly. So, Michael, we see him in his office after this, and he's calling Holly's father. And he leaves a voicemail, which I think is pretty funny. Kind of like uh, Jim's voicemail when he asks out the uh, the girl from uh, the Booze Cruise episode. Uh, leaves her a voicemail. Did you just ask somebody out over voicemail? Um... <laughs> So yeah, he calls he calls Holly's father and says, "Hey, you know, I want to uh, I want to marry your daughter. I really love her, and uh, it's nice." Michael Michael is very sweet in this episode. I will say he's he's very earnest. Um, so we cut back down to the warehouse where the garage sale is, and we see Dwight is now at Kelly, her table, and she tra- he trades uh, her the the used candle for a stack of books, like two, two stacks of books from different authors. Um, I don't know the authors and, uh, you know, he, he sets it up as, Oh, Ryan comes over and sees this used candle. Who's who she been seeing all this and that. And that's why she takes it. And, uh, then we see Kevin, Daryl and Andy. And, uh, they are, over there, I think I think Kevin took the Dallas game. He's got a board game, Dallas, and you know, oh Dallas. Yeah, when I was young, I was on Dallas. Oh really? I, yeah. Then we had a connecting flight, and I was on Hawaii. I was on heaven, you know. Um, and then Daryl and Andy are all, oh well, you know, let's let's play it. Oh well, we don't have the rules. Oh well, it's Dallas. We can make up the rules, you know, whatever. And then, uh, and then we see Dwight walking around. He passes Jim's table, and we finally see Professor Copperfield's Miracle Legumes. So Dwight is all, "Oh, what's this?" And you know, Jim is, "Oh, Dwight, you're never gonna believe this. When we were in, uh, when we were in the Bahamas. Wait, is that actually where they were? I think that's, I think that's what it was. It was." When they were in the Bahamas on their uh, on their honeymoon, Jim and Pam. Oh, Dwight, you're never going to believe this. You know, we saw this guy, and 
he sold us these these legumes, and then I felt like an idiot, and I tried to take him back, and the guy was gone, you know, this and that. <clears throat> Do you really expect me to believe that you bought magic beans? No, Dwight. These are miracle legumes. You know, you get, you get that whole thing, and uh, it's pretty good. And this sets up a key runner for both this episode of The Office and this episode of The Office Ball Z. So let's carry on here. We then have Holly up in up at her desk in the annex, and she is talking to her mom. <clears throat> and uh, well, actually, she's talking to her dad, and she's all, "Oh, my friend Michael called you. Oh, I th- I think I know what he wants to ask. You know this and that." And then uh, <laughs> he puts he puts Holly's mom on the phone, and then. You know, oh, I'm, I'm I'm worried about that. Oh, you don't have to worry about him. He has me. Well, who do you have? I have your father. He's right here. I'll put him on. You know, it's it's awesome writing there. And then uh, and then we cut back to uh, so so uh, before we move on, actually, we see that Holly's parents, uh, particularly her father, maybe getting old, maybe getting into that you know stage in life where they maybe need a little help. You know, and uh, then we cut back to we've got <laughs> this is awesome. We've got a uh, we've got Pam in the lobby, the foyer of the office building, and at the little uh, Dwight's Cafe, whatever it's called. And uh, Hank puts down two cups of coffee, and Pam just goes, "Which one's decaf?" Hank just doesn't say anything. Just looks at her, grabs both of them, turns around. <laughs> You know, implying that he either wasn't paying attention or neither one of them is decaf, you know, whatever. It's Hank. And uh, rest, in, rest in power to Hank. Um, you know, a couple of people who have p- appeared on The Office have unfortunately passed away. Uh, I know Hank Hank was pretty recent. Uh, maybe the most recent, actually. But, uh, so Pam looks outside and she sees Michael writing a message in gasoline, as he puts it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he wants to propose to Holly, and it's a really funny scene where, uh, oh, uh, uh, Michael's like, oh, you know, I'm covered in uh, gasoline. Can you can you help me light this? And she's like, oh, sure, let me get it. And she just takes the gas canister and, and like, runs away with it. Michael, you've had <laughs> – Michael, you've had – a great you've had two ideas today a great idea and a terrible idea pam i'm not in the mood for riddles <laughs> uh so that's great and then uh you know pam's like you know we're gonna we're gonna figure out a, a way to to get this proposal to be right uh so then we cut to ryan's table ryan bailey howard's table and he's got a bunch of his mom's pesto in jars and you know he's got this he's got this talking head about a uh, you know my mom makes this great pesto and I'm always telling her mom you should really sell this stuff and she says ah, da, da. so then one day I tell her mom I'm having all my friends over we're gonna have a big pesto party and she makes all this pesto pesto party really and uh it's really funny and then uh and, and then and then he's like, Phyllis just had that mom look I was looking for so <laughs> all these jars of Ryan's mom's freaking pesto has Phyllis's <laughs> face on on the jars and and uh that's awesome and then I think you get 
who do you get over there? I think it's Oscar. Someone's like, this is kosher. Well, I meant like, you know, it's cool. It's kosher. Or, uh, oh, no, it's it's Dwight, actually. I'm looking here at my notes. Yeah, it's Dwight. This is kosher? Oh, it's cool. It's kosher. And then Dwight starts giving it to him, and he's like, oh, you you know, uh, <laughs> he starts looking through this photo album, and we found out it's it's Stanley's photo album. And uh, he's like, man, so many vintage photos in here. You know, and then he, he convinces <laughs> he convinces Ryan to trade with him by by saying something like, uh, you know, I mean, what am I gonna do with a black man's vintage photo album? It's not like I'm James Franco. And then and then Ryan <laughs> Ryan goes ahead and, and trades uh with Dwight and then we get Dwight's talking head about you know, I traded a thumbtack for Meredith's junk, for Kelly's crap, for Phyllis's garbage, for Oscar's trap, for Stanley's crap. You know, it, run, it runs on like that. And uh, and I wrote down here a list of what he actually trades because all these cuts are super fast. They're like less than a second. So I was going ahead and, you know, pause and looking through and see exactly what he trades. So here's the list here. We've got the thumbtack to Meredith for a used candle. The candle to Kelly for books. The books to Phyllis for a lobster. Like a like a toy. Not even a toy, like a just a fake <laughs> decorative lobster. Uh the lobster to Oscar for an umbrella. The umbrella to Stanley for the photo album. The photos to Ryan for a case of the pesto. The pesto to Creed for a harmonica, which was pretty hard to tell what it was, but a harmonica. And then the harmonica to Aaron for a very cute squid, as Dwight puts it. And that's how that ends. And then he's walking up, he's walking along with the squid and all. And uh, <laughs> and I forgot to mention this before Jim like puts the legumes away. And now we see that they're just you know miraculously out on the table again. And. Uh, Dwight's like, really, Jim? Again? He's like, oh, my God, how is this possible? And he crumples up the little package of, of the beans. And he throws them down. And he smashes them. He steps on them, picks it up, throws it in the garbage, all this. And uh, so that should be the last we see of Professor Copperfield's legumes. But will it be? Find out next time on The Office, Ball Z. Uh, so here we go. Michael goes into the conference room. Uh, oh, yeah, this is... This is uh, this is great because Ryan's act, or, uh, excuse me, Michael's actually in his office, and Pam comes in and he and she goes, uh, "All right, we're all in the conference room waiting for you." And and he goes, "Oh, really? Uh, for what?" And, and he and she goes, "Oh, you called the meeting." He's like, "Oh, okay." And then uh, he just walks in. He goes, "All right, I would like to talk to you today about recycling." And then and he's like, "He's just gonna make anything up," and uh, they're like, "They're like, Michael, Michael, we're here to talk to you about the proposal, you know," and. Uh, We've got Pam, Jim, Oscar, and Ryan in the uh, <laughs> in the conference room, and there's a couple different jokes about. Uh, well, we've got we've got if there's a if there's a dog involved, you know, you're you're doing it wrong. If there's a costume, you're doing it wrong or whatever. And then Pam is like a. Uh, Oh, I think I read a blog about animals being out, right, Ryan? And Ryan's like, blogs are out, but people are texting each other. Animals are out. <laughs> and uh, Ryan, hipster, uh, season seven, Ryan is like very like hipster 
and uh, you know, trying to be very tready. One of my favorite moments in all of The Office is from season seven, and it's in Andy's play. I think it's episode four of season seven, and uh, <laughs> and they're at Andy's play, and Kelly says to Ryan, "What time is it?" and Ryan just turns on his iPad and it's a giant manual clock with no numbers on it. <laughs> it's just it's just some of the best visual gag I've ever seen. <laughs> um so yeah, so you got you've got a you got stuff like that and then uh Michael pulls out the ring. Holy shit, you know, they bleep it out. You think she's gonna like it? Oh she's gonna love it. She's gonna love it. I saved up three years salary. You know, um Oh, and there's also the uh <laughs> also you know I get a corpse I throw it off the top of the building and the head falls out this leads to me saying I lost my head when I fell in love with you um, just great shit also I've just I've just messed up my notes so please excuse me oh my god what a nightmare. <sighs> Whatever. We're leaving it. Double it. Okay, so we are back. Apologize about that. So we cut back to uh, Daryl and Andy and Kevin playing Dallas. And uh, Daryl and Andy just keep making up rules. Daryl uses a card. That's from the game of life. Well, that's not fair. Well, that's Dallas, you know. Uh, we get the whole that's Dallas line, which is key. Remember this, folks. This is this is One Piece level foreshadowing here. Um, so, so here's here's something. Then we cut to Ryan, uh, Ryan and Oscar at Ryan's table, and Ryan is like. Or, I'm sorry, Oscar's like, Ryan, where'd you get this picture? And he he has a can of salsa with Oscar's face on it. And then it cuts to Ryan saying, my mom also makes the best salsa. So he's got all these cans of salsa with Oscar's face on it, just like Phyllis is on the pesto. And um, here's the interesting thing. After this, we have Holly talking to Phyllis about nursing homes and, oh, how do you know when it's time to take your parents to one? And, oh, you know, you just know and... And this and that, and it's a nice moment between Holly and Phyllis, and then Phyllis is like, I have a box of bras under the table if you want to take a look. Um, and then it goes back to the conference room where Michael, Jim, Pam, Oscar, and Ryan are. Now, here's the weird thing. Everything I just read to you basically goes down. I mean, it goes down faster than I've portrayed it here. Pretty much all happens within two, three minutes of each other where we go from the, the conference room with Jim and and Oscar, Ryan, Pam, Michael, right? Oscar and Ryan are there. Then we see d them playing Dallas. Then we see Oscar and Ryan at the garage sale table. Then we see Phyllis. And then we go back to the conference room, and Oscar and Ryan are get are there again. And um, I guess it's it, it just seems like a really weird uh, editing choice to me, like especially since it's all within like three minutes of each other I have no idea why they put it together like that not to say that it's not possible that you know with the, with like 
just like with talking heads, like they're not filming the talking heads right in that moment. It's all about the way like, uh, well, I mean, this is a mockumentary, obviously, but like the way documentaries are filmed, they could have certainly filmed this garage sale thing later on or whatever. And it's just being placed in here like this. But it just seems weird since it's all like three. It's like literally two and a half minutes, three minutes between each other. We get we get Ryan and Oscar upstairs, then downstairs, then upstairs. So I don't know. Kind of weird. Um, I only noticed that on, like, my 13th fucking time of watching this episode. Probably more than that, honestly. No, definitely more than that. Um, I was going to say 30th, but I said 13th like a fucking idiot. Um, but, all that aside, we are back to uh, to the conference room. And actually, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. I guess, I guess a lot of those jokes about... Uh, you know, blogs around, but people are texting each other. All those kinds of jokes. That actually, I guess, is in this scene here. The I lost my head when I fell for you. All that kind of stuff. But then uh, we also get Jim and Pam talking about how, oh, well, you know, it's not, it's not really about, like, um, the setting or whatever. It's it's more about, you know, the, the people you are, whatever whatever they fucking say. They don't, I don't think they say anything like that, actually. Um, <laughs> but they talk about, oh, you know, ours was at a gas station, and it was actually raining, and it was really sweet. And Michael goes, oh, you didn't mention the weather was bad. That sounds perfect. <laughs> and uh, I do got to say, Season 7 Pam, looking very nice in this scene. Uh, season 7 Pam, probably the best-looking Pam, I got to say, followed maybe by Season 9 Pam? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to find out when we get there. I can compare Pam to uh, Bulma and all of her fucking hairstyles. That'll be a terrible episode. Uh, <laughs> so then Michael comes into the uh, into the break room in the back where Holly is. And he goes, Kevin wanted to buy my Bullfax for $200. I said, dude, this was a prop in my movie. <laughs> Dude, this is a Wendy's restaurant. That's what that reminded me of. But, uh... <coughs> excuse me? Um, uh, so Holly says to, uh... To Michael, hey, I think I think I need to move to Colorado to be with my dad. And he's all, oh, you know... Okay, okay. Um, it's totally fine. You know, I'm, I'm here for you, this and that. And, uh... Holly actually tries to propose to Michael which is a very progressive, you know, bit of writing, unlike those Will and Grace jokes in the beginning of the episode, homophobic. Um, but <laughs> while he, while she does try to propose it, no, shut it, you know, <laughs> and, then it, <laughs> and then he just walks away and should have burned this place down when I had the chance. <laughs> um, then we cut to Dallas, the Dallas game again, and they're all arguing, and this is honestly kind of a dumb runner it's not it's not that bad but i guess i guess seeing it so many times and then critically studying this episode as i so astutely did it uh i don't know it just seemed kind of corny i guess you know cheesy i don't know something about it but uh it does it does have a great ending here with with kevin you know kind of freaking out and then they all look at the at the pile of money and it's all gone and uh, Kevin, I am never playing games with you guys again. And then it cuts to him outside. And he's got all the money. And that is Dallas. <laughs> so there we go. The foreshadowing has paid off. Um, 
Dwight is walking around with a telescope uh, with a price tag of $150 on it, I've noticed. And uh, we see that the legumes have miraculously reappeared, or miraculously. Ooh, reaching. You'll get there. Um, <laughs> so Dwight says, you know what? Fine, I'll take him. And he goes to walk away, and Jim just goes, leave the telescope. <laughs> so then, uh, then you get... Get Dwight talking about, you know, I started with a thumbtack and traded my way all the way up to a wonderful telescope, which I traded for beans. <laughs> um, so <laughs> then after that, we're pretty much going to be wrapping up the episode here because we kind of get a long extended sequence at the end here. Where Michael says to Holly, you know, I want to take you on a on a tour a little bit of, of the office here. And they start down in the foyer, and he says, this is where Toby was announcing he's moving to Costa Rica. Happiest day of my life. Uh, which is plausible for sure, but let it be known that Michael wasn't there when he actually did announce that. Um, and then they go up the stairs. This is where we first kissed. And this is where we first made love. Remember what I tried there? Michael, you know, he looked into the camera. And now that I've turned down the volume, we are completely alone. You know, <laughs> uh, when the, that episode where they first uh, make out crime aid. Uh, awesome episode. <laughs> 1,000. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, then they go up and they go through the office and... Uh, this is where I first saw you. I thought you were the prettiest moving lady I've ever seen. And this is where we held our first conference meeting together. Remember Michael Klump? I said, I said, I said on you. Um, and then <laughs> he talks about how he used to just waste water <laughs> uh, by standing there and looking through her in the blinds. And it's sweet. You know, they're, they're having a sweet moment. And then he says, well, let me take you through here. And they open up the, uh, kitchen door everyone's standing there with the candles and uh he's like this is where our love takes its truest test or whatever the fuck he says and they walk through and everybody's holly will you marry me uh you know it's like jim it's stanley that man has more than he can handle already uh, angela that's hot i'd pay to see that uh, gabe easy no Oscar that marriage would be a sham Ryan only one I was worried about <laughs> and uh, I just did that off the cuff and uh, then they walk into the back room the annex and there's just candles everywhere it's it's honestly really sweet it, it looks really nice and they sit down on the floor by her desk which is a callback to one of her first episodes where they are building a chair together and they do this Yoda voice. Uh, or she's sitting there and she says, like, yoga. And then he says... He does the Yoda voice. I can't remember what he says, but he goes, you know, Yoda. And she says, pass the wrench, you will, or whatever. And uh, that's one of the first Michael... Holly moments that we get so then it's kind of you know wrapping up here full circle they sit down they 
Holly, will you marry me? Or whatever. And uh, well, that almost sounded like Kermit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, marry you, be will I, or whatever she says. She, like, totally messes it up. And uh, then all the... Then, actually, I think before they even do that, all the uh, all the sprinklers just cause completely irreparable damage to this entire office, and it's just ridiculous. And 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 why didn't it start earlier? <laughs> you know, these candles have been burning and burning and burning, and now the 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 fountain start. This show sucks. You know, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Um, no, but it's, it's a super sweet moment. I, I love it. And, uh, everyone comes in, they're all, they're all clapping. Everyone's super excited. And, uh, you know, as fans of the show, we've been wanting something like this for Michael for a long time, for seven, seven seasons, 19 episodes. We've been, we've been watching this. So, and then, uh, Michael says, we're moving to Colorado. All of us. Yep. <laughs> He just says, yep. And, uh, yeah, the episode pretty much cuts right there. And then we get the tag, the, the ending of the episode, in which we see Dwight watering five flower pots, obviously, where he's planted the legumes. And, uh, we, you know, we see him, we see him planting them and, fl- and, uh, excuse me, we see him watering them. And he walks away, and Jim is kind of peering. You know, through the warehouse door, he's looking, and then as soon as Dwight walks away, Jim <laughs> rolls out this uh, flatbed with five other pots with with plants that are like over two feet tall already, and he's gonna place them out. He does a little Irish kick, and uh, it's awesome, you know, because <laughs> because you know he's pr- this is this has been an episode long prank on Dwight that has finally paid off, and. Uh, I was thinking these tree of these trees of Dwight's remind me of something else. Dragon Ball fans, these tree of Dwight, maybe the tree of might. Yes, yes. Let's get into this Dragon Ball portion of the episode. I'm talking the tree of might, the Shinseiju, the tree of godly might, as it were in Japanese. This is. Dragon Ball Z Movie 3. The Japanese title is A Decisive Battle for Earth. This premiered July 7th, 1990 at Akira Toriyama The World Expo. Uh, I think also there was a uh, animation of Pink, which is a Toriyama story and maybe a Dr. Slump thing, but I don't think that's true. But I know that there was th- there were three things shown off that were based on uh, Toriyama's works, and this is the Dragon Ball Z one. And this was written by Takao Koyama, who wrote um, all of the Dragon Ball Z movies up through uh, Plan to Eradicate, uh, or no, not not plan to eradicate. Uh, although he did write that as well, and he wrote up through uh, Yo Son Goku and His Friends Return, which was two thousand eight, I believe. Um, and he was also one of the chief writers of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, if not the chief writer of the uh, of the series, the television series. Obviously, the the manga and the main story that the anime is based on was written by 
Akira Toriyama or uh, Toriyama Akira, however you'd like to say that. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- again, a a weird episode, or I guess this is a this is a movie to kind of do this first episode about. But uh, I'll say, when I was a kid, I loved this movie so much. Um, it was it was seriously awesome, and not even that I like watched it a ton. But I know that when I saw it, the few times I did, it was always like upper echelon DBZ in my head. You know, like I I always loved it. And um, in doing some research for this, I found out that uh, <clears throat> this first aired in America as the three episodes in the Namek arc, uh, which I, I didn't know about that and how that worked. Uh, I think it was between uh, American episodes. 44 and 45 now in, in America I think about 13 episodes got cut out of Dragon Ball Z um, for very fucking dumb you know censorship reasons and, and all that kind of stuff um, it was just a different era back in the 90s I'm talking 97 you know so um, but this was aired as three episodes in the Namek arc uh, it was during the Ocean the Ocean Group dub uh, you know the very first uh English cast that we had, I believe, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, not Peter Calamus, Ian, Ian Colette, oh god, I don't know, <laughs> uh, I don't know, I don't want to stop the pause, the, the recording or anything, can't think of his name, Ian Corlette, is that his name, the first Goku? Man, I can't believe I'm totally blown this, but um, Peter Kalamis was Goku for the Tree of Might uncut movie release that came out in 1998. And the interesting thing about this is that uh, this was through both Funimation and Pioneer, and Pioneer put out the first Dragon Ball Z movies, uh, Dead Zone, World Strongest, and Tree of Might uh, in the, you know, American names. Um, when they put those out, the script was very close to the Japanese script of the movies. And also the music was, was the original music as well. So you didn't have the English music that... Um, you know, a lot of us who grew up with Dragon Ball Z on Toonami and stuff are used to, like, the very synth-heavy uh, Bruce Falconer scores and uh, the other guy, Alan Johnson, maybe? I, I know his last name was Johnson. Um, he was another one of the of the main composers on Dragon Ball Z in America, but none of that was here. It was it was the Japanese music, which is amazing. I mean, if... if you're listening to this and you've never watched the Japanese version of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Um, I gotta say, it's much better. <laughs> um, that's it. No. Um, nostalgia aside, now I, I I've loved Dragon Ball Z since I was a kid, and it was it was one of my favorite things growing up, and you know. Uh, like I said, I'm only 27. When, when Dragon Ball came out in America in 
in uh, 97 or even the, those first 13 episodes of Dragon Ball came over here in 95. I mean, in 97, I was four years old. So it's not like I really knew any better about, oh, well, this is this is uncut and and uh, this is censored and, and the script changes, yada, yada, yada. You know, I, I didn't really know any of that stuff until like middle school, I would say. Um, so, you know, when you're growing up, you don't know that kind of thing. And if, if you were a fan of Dragon Ball back in the day and you, you kind of have this image of the, uh, the English version and you haven't watched it in a long time, I've got to tell you, it might be pretty disappointing because the music is one thing, you know, it's not bad. It's, it certainly is, um, nostalgic for me, but it, it sounds very nineties. It's very like, uh, hard synth rock or something. Um, it honestly is a little cheesy, you know, early two thousands as well. Um, and, and the English script, a lot of people don't know that it's really bad. <laughs> it, just, it just is, you know, nostalgia aside, you got to look at the facts. It's bad. And as a 27 year old man, I am not loving Dragon Ball again and diving into the series like I have been for the past um, like two years two and a half years or whatever when that Broly movie came out it really reignited my love for the series because um you know you grow up a little bit I'm very rambling right now but you grow up a little bit and uh first of all Dragon Ball like wasn't really a thing after a while and then you just had the video games and I loved playing the video games but then the games got pretty bad so then you kind of fall off those a little bit and then you know you get excited because Battle of Gods is coming out now we're talking 2013 but you know, maybe you weren't paying attention to Dragon Ball that much, and then Battle of Gods comes out, and it comes out, and it's it's good. I know a lot of people like that, but there were certain things about it that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I, I honestly, it's funny because I thought Resurrection F was a lot better when they came out, but now looking back, like on a couple of rewatches, I think that Battle of Gods is much more rewatchable than uh, than Resurrection F is, but um. And then Super came out, and, like, the artwork kind of sucked. The animation, like, sucked. It was just a retread of both movies for the first, like, 30 fucking episodes. And, you know, and then it kind of wasn't that interesting to begin with. Like, you get the, the tournament arc, and, you know, I think if if the animation... Not that it's all about the animation and the artwork, but if, if, that, thing, if that stuff was a lot better... I think the show super could be better, but I think that super also just brings a lot of problems into, excuse me, just brings a lot of problems into Dragon Ball uh, as a whole, because I, I feel like if you just take the story of Dragon Ball from, you know, Goku being a kid, the hunt for the Dragon Balls to the end of the Boo arc, especially if you're just reading the manga, it feels awesome it feels like not perfect but if if i i feel reading it in 2020 being able to binge read it not waiting week to week for chapters to come out the pacing really is not as bad as as a lot of people think it is um which comes from i think the anime too because the anime would add a lot of filler to fights and just filler in general and really stretch things out and you get a lot of a lot of standoff moments which sometimes is awesome for real but 
sometimes, you know, it, it can be a bit much. Things can go on for a bit much. Uh, but I don't know if if you read the manga, everything ramps up naturally, in my opinion. You know the the escalation of things. It doesn't feel that repetitive. As 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 much as there is repetition in the series, I really don't think it feels that bad if you're just reading it, especially today. And I think that a lot of people get in their head you know, how repetitive Dragon Ball is. And I think that that comes from the anime, you know, think about, think about a fight of Dragon Ball Z in the anime and how many looping animations there are and things like that. Whereas in the manga, you know, the fights are just kind of, the fights are really choreographed. And I mean, Toriyama's artwork and paneling is insane. It's amazing. And you don't have the same, you know, like just just fists flying around for like minutes and minutes and minutes like that just isn't happening in the manga. And on top of that, you know, there's people people watching reruns, people watching Dragon Ball Z every day growing up and then watching the movies, which we're going to be talking about. I, I will definitely get back to that. Um, but people watching the movies, which are which are. One, a lot of fighting, and two, just, like, rehashes of enemies from the main series. Um, and then, you know, playing the video games like I did. You know, a lot of people play the video games. That you, a lot of the video games, uh, even to this day, are just playing Raditz Taboo. And, I mean, now, now you've got a lot of GT or, like, Super stuff in there. Um, but, you know, people think that... Dragon Ball Z is so repetitive, it's so repetitive, it's so repetitive, right? And I think that Super only adds to this problem because Super does rehash a lot of things from Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, which, which by the way, let's just be clear here that Dragon Ball as a manga series is just called Dragon Ball. Um, when they got to the the Saiyan saga or the Saiyan saga is the correct way to say it, the science. Uh, quick quick lesson for anybody. Um, Saiyan is a is an anagram of well, well Saiyan comes from Saiyajin, uh, the Japanese word, which is an anagram of Yasai, which means vegetable. So you flip the two things around, you've got Cyan. And um, as as an English fan, you know, I'll probably say Saiyan nine out of ten times, but I just want to throw that information out there. And, you know, through this whole podcast series, I will probably, um, I will present both the, like, English dub names for things and the Japanese, you know, original names for things. And I'll probably just bounce back and forth between pronunciations. Um, and I'll probably just be using a lot of dub terms just because that's probably what all of us are used to for the most part. Um, but also I do want to be, you know, factual and, and informative as well. Um, but you know, anyway, a lot of these Dragon Ball Z movies, they start with, or, uh, or the Dragon Ball Z games, they start with, you know, uh, the sign arc to, the Boo Arc. Um. No, no, I'm sorry. Not the uh, not the games. I was talking about the manga. I apologize. 
I've gotten very off script here, but we're rolling with it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> when when the show got to the Cyan arc, uh, some of the production staff had changed everything, and they they wanted to kind of refresh the anime. So Toriyama actually did give them the name Dragon Ball Z, and uh, I believe his reasoning for that is that he f- he thought the series might be coming to an end soon, so he felt like Z sounded cool. You know, it's it sounds like the end of something. Um, so he gave them the Dragon Ball Z name for the anime, <clears throat> which ran up through Boo. H- however, in the manga, it's just called Dragon Ball, and a lot of times when I refer to Dragon Ball. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of... <clears throat> Jeez. I need a sip of water over here, y'all. Uh, that's good. Um, Yeah. So, when I talk about Dragon Ball, I'm pretty much talking about Kid Goku to Boo. If I refer to Super or GT, I'm going to call it Super or GT. Um, and, and the main thing I was getting on here is that uh, Super rehashes so much from Dragon Ball and just keeps keeps adding and adding. And, um, you know, now we've got different colored hair for Super Saiyan instead of just the Super Saiyan shit. And, and you know, the, the new Moro arc was going so fucking cool and and now it's pretty much a uh now it's pretty much the cell saga <laughs> which is like I can't even believe they did that but it's pretty much just the cell arc and um which is fine it, it is what it is it's probably the best part of super so far at least in the manga um and actually the latest chapter of of Goku versus uh of Moro perfected ultra instinct Goku uh I really enjoyed it for what it was um I thought the artwork was awesome. I thought the paneling was awesome. It, it gave me old school Dragon Ball vibes, even though it is the same thing. Like I was, <laughs> I was trying to explain this to my buddy Evan. Uh, you know, I, t- I texted him. I was like, "Dude, the new Super Chapter was awesome," and then he he like was pretty much unimpressed by all means. And I was just like, "Dude, like, but Super sucks." So like, <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and we'll talk about Super more, but uh. Anyway, man, what the fuck was I talking about when this whole thing even started? I don't know. Forget it. Let's get into this. Let's get into this movie, huh? Um. <laughs> well, I'm looking back at my notes here. Um. Oh, I I know. I know. I was talking about the dub. I was talking about the dub changes and all this. Let's get back on script, though. Let me let me just see what I'm going for here. So, as I was saying, in 1998, they released the uncut movie version instead of just the three episodes. Uh, they released the uncut movie version. <clears throat> it had the Japanese music, which is amazing. That was the bottom line of my 40-fucking-minute rant there. Bottom line is, if you don't know the Japanese Dragon Ball music, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, look that shit up. It's amazing. Uh, Shinsuke Kikuchi was the composer awesome awesome stuff uh one day me and my girlfriend were playing cards and i just had it playing for like an hour just like on the tv and she didn't know it was dragon ball and it was just epic dude it it was awesome <laughs> um um 
So that was released on VHS. I don't think DVDs were out in 98, but maybe they were. Um, and then it was shown in the movie form on Toonami in 1999. And we had uh, we had Peter Cullen doing the uh, Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime, if anybody remembers his Toonami commercials. So we had we had him doing the Dragon Ball Z Tree of Might commercial. It was it was so uh, from the deepest reaches of space, the ultimate enemy has arrived. You know, actually. That wasn't really Optimus Prime. That was more like uh, Kyle Kyle Herbert. Is that how you say his name? The the uh, the narrator of Dragon Ball Z. Let me try to do Optimus again. One more time. From the deepest reaches of space, the ultimate enemy has arrived. I feel like I'm going into DBZ narrator. Oh boy. Let me know in the comments, guys. <laughs> um. So. Let's get into it, finally. Good God. Everybody has fucking abandoned ship on this podcast at this point, so let's get into it. Tree of Might, or as I said in Japanese, a super decisive battle for Earth. Starts off with uh, everybody camping. We've got Bulma, uh, Roshi, Oolong, Krillin, and Gohan. Now, going back to the... uh, the Japanese names thing, like I said, you know, uh, Bulma, uh, that's, that's pretty much the only name I'm probably going to call her. I don't think I will ever call Bulma Buduma or something like that. Uh, Krillin, his, his name in Japan is Kudidin. Uh, I do like that name. <laughs> I love Krillin. Uh, he's an awesome, he's an awesome character. I'm looking at my little toy I have of him. I particularly love Krillin in Dragon Ball when he's young, uh, especially when he first shows up. The the artwork that Toriyama drew him with is really funny looking. <laughs> Just like very round, very shiny head. Always like a big shine spot on his bald ass head. Um, great stuff. Uh, Master Roshi, that is his name in English, but in, in Japan his name is actually... Uh, well, we don't really know his name. We just know a couple titles of his. Uh, a lot of characters in Japan, they actually just have a title rather than a name. Kind of like Ox King isn't necessarily a name, right? And in Japan, his name is Gyumao, which means uh, Demon Ox King or Demon Cow King, something like that. Um, Fortune Teller Baba, her name is... Uh, Udenai Baba, which means fortune teller hag. Uh, Baba is not a name. And the same kind of thing happens here with with Master Roshi, because we think that's his name, but actually uh, his title is Muten Roshi, which means like heavenly martial arts master, something like that. And then his other title is Kame Senen, which means turtle hermit or turtle sage. I've seen it uh, described, but I, I'm pretty sure Turtle Hermit is the uh, the uh, agreed upon vernacular. But uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there. And then you know, Gohan. Of course, we have uh, Son Gohan, uh, Son Goku, Son Goten. Their uh, their their family name, Son, which we don't get in um, English at all until Dragon Ball Z Kai when he's when. Goku says it when he's turning Super Saiyan, um, which which I like, but it's kind of weird. 
Um, you know, I, I wanted to say this too about Dragon Ball Z Kai. They went ahead and and okay. So first of all, this AI. You see AI. That's that's an I noise. I think all the time in in Japan, um, or at least most of the time. Okay, I don't speak Japan by any means. <laughs> I don't I don't speak Japan. This is America. No, I don't I don't speak Japanese. Um, and so bear with me. Obviously, on my pronunciations of things, but you know I'm trying. And uh, I try to understand it and learn more about it. And uh, so King Kai, a- another example of a-, of a name who's more of a title, because in Japan, his name is Kaiosama, which means like Lord of the Worlds. And uh, Kaio means King king so kaiosama means like lord king of worlds uh kaio the o at the end means king and um so right there we've got we've got kai king kai right kaiosama that and and dragon ball kai that same ai sound is in kaioken which they got the character's name, King Kai. They got that right, but then they named his move Kaioken instead of Kaioken, which is the correct thing. And they changed that for Dragon Ball Z Kai, uh, the English the English dub. They changed to Kaioken. And by the way, I won't go off on a rant again, but Dragon Ball Z Kai, if you have to watch an English version of the show, you have to watch an English version, please watch Kai. The script... And the voice acting much better. Excuse me, I'm so burpy. I'm pathetic. This will never get picked up by Earwolf. Um. Um, and Cyan again. Back to back to Cyan. Now, since in Kai they changed Kaioken from Kaioken to Kaioken, I really wish they just went all out and changed it to Cyan and Super Saiyan and all that because then we could all be on the same page but instead there's a lot of people and I get it that would have been much more of a change than Kaioken but yeah they should have changed it but um yeah I don't uh I don't know whatever so let's let's get into it so everybody's camping <laughs> yeah Let's get into it now that I've had another 10-minute rant after saying let's get into it. <laughs> Welcome to Jesse's world, bro. Um, so we've got Gohan looking awesome. I actually have it written here in my notes. It says Hogan. I guess that was a uh, autocorrect. But we've got Hogan, Sun Hogan looking super dope. He's got this huge fucking backpack and has a little camping hat and all this shit. He looks great. And uh, he starts unloading like all his all his luggage. Chi Chi sent him away with a ton of stuff. And um, we see like this spaceship crash and starts a wildfire, and while everybody's sleeping, and uh, Krillin and Gohan they go out there and they're like put out the fires with wind blasts. And uh, unless it's key blasts, but I feel like they're just kind of throwing wind around. And, uh, you know, we see, first of all, this looks really nice with, with everything catching on fire. So the, the Dragon Ball Z movies, that's where a lot of the production money went as opposed to the show. Um, 
the movies generally look a lot better than the show. So, generally, I'm saying. Um, so, you know, this looks really nice. We see a lot of animals, like, running through the forest, or, you know, running away through the fire and all that. And uh, they do, they do, you know, have success in putting the fire out. And here we are introduced to Haya Dragon. Uh, now, Haya Dragon has been translated into English as Higher Dragon, as in high up in the sky, and also Higher Dragon as in um, for higher, like, you know, band for higher or something like that. Um, and I believe that that is what they were going for in Japanese because I've read that, uh, you know, this word Haya, it kind of is like vehicle for Haya, for vehicle for hire, and um, pretty much how, you know, Gohan kind of rides on this thing, and it's similar to a character that was in Toriyama's manga before Dragon Ball called uh, Dr. Slump, there was a character in there called Taxi Dragon, uh, who looks pretty similar to this, and it was kind of the same idea. You know, they would ride the dragon around. You know, Dr. Slump was very gag-heavy. It was a gag manga completely. Um, so, you know, Taxi Dragon was just kind of a gag. Um, I don't believe that Haya Dragon was designed by Toriyama. He's not in the manga at all. He's just in the... He's in three movies. Uh, he's in this one here. This is his introduction. And then he's in the next two. And then he's also in a little bit of uh, filler in the early, like, cell arc. Some people would call the android arc. I just group them together. Um, early on, like, very early on in that, we see him. And in English as well, uh, aside from being translated as Higher Dragon, what they actually call him in the English dub is Icarus, which is a fine name. Um, I kind of like that name. You know, he's like a, he's a purple dragon. And, uh, I always liked him as a kid. I like him. He's cool. He's Gohan's little, little pet, you know? So he's introduced here and, um, they have the idea. They're just like, oh, we'll get the dragon balls and we'll just wish the forest, you know, back to goodness, back to health. And the really cool thing here is that Chala Hechala, the, the theme song for Dragon Ball Z starts playing. And instead of, like, the normal opening, we actually have a montage of Gohan and Krillin going around collecting the Dragon Balls. Um, the only bad thing about this is that it makes it seem like it's so fast, which I guess happens towards the end of the series anyway, but they get these Dragon Balls so fast, and then they go back... And, like, just everything's, like, I don't know. The deer are all standing, like, exactly where they, where they were, I guess. And, like, no time. It seems like no time has passed at all. Yet they've gone around the whole planet looking for uh, for Dragon Ball. So that's kind of a weird... Uh, that's some weird passage of time. Kind of like uh, Oscar and Ryan in the fucking garage sale before that we were talking about. Um Oh, one really, one really sweet uh, detail in the opening too is that we get Gohan running from the dinosaur, that classic shot. But we get that with like him running with a Dragon Ball, you know, because they're hunting the Dragon Balls and all. So that was that was great. And uh, 
then after that, after the theme song plays, they summon Shenron and or uh, with or Shenlong. Shenlong, I think, is the Japanese term, and yes, and then Shenron is the English term. Uh, Shenlong means like dragon god, I think, something like that. Um, we get that opening shot. If you guys remember the Rock of the Dragon, we that first shot is like the forest burned down and and fucking Shenlong is there and everything. That is from this movie, so <laughs> you know that was that was an opening for the English. Uh, broadcast of Dragon Ball Z that wasn't in the opening of of the original Japanese broadcast uh, but we do see that shot we have awesome music here uh, awesome stuff that's that comes back later in uh in the Frieza stuff well, this movie came out actually I think between episodes 55 and 56 or something in Japan uh, which I think is maybe around uh, Vegeta fighting Frieza, maybe or or not even maybe Ginyu Force stuff. No, I, I think I think it's more towards the Frieza fights. Um, but yeah, um, a lot of the music that would go into the show would come from the movies. Like, music would go from the movies to the show. I don't think music, outside of, like, obvious stuff, I'm talking about, like, the iconic stuff here. I don't think that music would go from the show to the movies. I think that new music was coming through the movies. Um, So we get that song. There's another song that we're going to get later on that's kind of like the... uh, I think it's like Goku's song when he comes out from uh, training in the in the hundred gravity, you know, pod, the spaceship, and uh, that song's there. And then I think it's again in the hype, the hyperbolic time chamber, the room of spirit and time. Um. Anyway, god damn, I'm rambling over here, man. Uh, the the <laughs> the office stuff, I wasn't too rambly, but then I got to Dragon Ball and I just went completely haywire. So. Hey, I hope you're still with me. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it on track from here on out. I promise. I promise, guys. Pinky promise. So we get Shenlong comes out, and Higher Dragon like kind of flips out and goes to attack him, and then I think with his mustache, because Shenlong has like a huge like wispy mustache. I think he like flip flicks it at him. I couldn't tell what it was. I, I wasn't imagining it was his tail, but it seemed it seems like it could only be his tail or his mustache. So I'm, I'm assuming it was his mustache, and I think that's the only time uh, Shenlong ever tries to attack somebody. Uh, maybe he should have tried against fucking Piccolo Daimao before he was wasted, but that's a uh, conversation for a different rant. Um, so, yeah, they, they wish for the forest to be restored, a simple matter. You know, that was a terrible Shenlong voice, but whatever. So, the forest is restored. Then we find out that that spaceship I mentioned before that started this whole fire wasn't a spaceship at all. 
was actually like this small little uh, trans transponder spider robot thing. And it's booping around, it's crawling around and everything. And then we see the real spaceship. And it's a group of five dudes in like, um, you know, the, call it the Saiyan armor, call it the Frieza army armor, whatever. I, I'm probably just going to call it the Saiyan armor. Um, that's how we first knew it. Um, we see five dudes in that armor, and they are talking to Tullisama. Uh, and all we see of Tullus, again, Sama, the uh, honorific ending there, Sama meaning Lord, so Tullus, Tadesu, uh, Tullus, a pun, an anagram of the word lettuce, so Tullus, in the, uh, in the English dub, he is called Tar. Uh, Turles, I, I didn't even remember. Turles. Uh, I'm just gonna call him Tullus though, because Turles doesn't really get across the uh, the lettuce pun. It gets across the uh, it gets across the '90s Americans thinking that that everything they're fucking saying it with an R is an L pun. Um, so anyway. Uh, all we see of Tullus so far, though, is pretty much Piccolo's cape. You know? <laughs> like, it looks like Piccolo's cape. That, that's all we see. With the big shoulder pads. And he says, uh, well, the, the group says, this will be a great planet for the Shinseiju, which I mentioned before, means the Tree of Godly Might. So we go back to Earth, and we see Gokan, uh, Goku, Gokan, everybody's favorite fusion. We see uh, Goku and Gohan having a breath-holding competition. They're in like a, uh, just a tin, a metal barrel filled with water over a fire, <laughs> and uh, you know, the hot tub, and they're having a breath-holding competition, and Icarus actually sneaks up on Chi-Chi. And we see Goku down there tickling Gohan. <laughs> it's pretty funny animation. And uh, and then Chi-Chi, like, reaches down there to try to get them to help, and she just starts tickling Gohan a lot, and uh, it's pretty funny. Gohan, like, fucking loses his mind. It's hilarious. And uh, they come out, they're like, oh, Icarus, you know, this and that, and then Chi-Chi blames Goku and his friends for, you know, making Gohan into a delinquent and all this, and... Uh, she says Icarus has to go back to the mountains, and Goku's like, uh, "All right, we'll take him." And then they end up finding a secret cave, and you know, Goku and Gohan are like, "You know, you can you can live here and all that stuff." Then we cut to uh, Yamcha and Puar. They are flying a ship, and Yamcha's talking about how he just bought this new ship. It was, I don't know, fifteen thousand zenny. Maybe I'm just making that number up. No, no, no. He says uh, it was a 15-year loan. That's what it was. That's what it was. A 15-year loan he took out to uh, <laughs> to get this ship. And then we see uh, Tullus' crew is on Earth now. And a big orange guy with a ponytail and uh, spiky shoulder pads. 
we see a guy with shaved side side hair, you know, like the the sides. You know, the sides are shaved with the side hair. Fucking idiot. Um but he's got long on top and a big long ponytail, like Raditz ponytail. He looks like a dude out of like 20, 2018, 2016. A lot of dudes I, I saw down in Nashville look like this guy. Um, then we see Cyborg from Teen Titans, but melting. So you can imagine what that looks like. And then we see uh, two butthead purple twins. Little tiny dudes. They're purple. They have buttheads. And uh, the orange guy pretty much does like Nappa's move when he blows up that city with the two fingers and all. And he puts this giant blast on the ground and cracks the ground open and stuff. And when he does that, we see Yamcha's ship go flying and he crashes it. So classic Yamcha stuff here. Classic, you know, I just bought this car and uh, and now it's wasted. And now the, the Cybermen have blown it up here. And... Uh, so that's that's awesome, and they they plant what appears to be, folks, one of Professor Copperfield's miracle legumes. They have a little a little seed there. They throw it in the crack that they've made, and uh, it cuts back to Gohan playing with Icarus. It's just cute. Uh, they're playing fetch. They're, uh, Gohan's washing him in the river. Uh, Gohan's laying up against Icarus's belly. Uh, napping, you know, just a bunch of cute stuff, uh, cute music and all. And then, but we see that this legume, <laughs> as I'm going to keep calling it, it uh, it takes root fast. And it just starts spreading and you start seeing these roots, uh, you know, coming up out of the ground and they're huge and then they start destroying cities. I mean, these are huge, huge roots. They start destroying cities. They start destroying mountains. Um, all this stuff. Uh, we see Kaiosama, uh, King Kai. We see him and he's like, oh, this is fucking bad. That's pretty much verbatim. And uh, then we see a close-up of Tullus and we see that he has a scouter, pink scouter, and uh, we don't really see too much of him still, though. It's a close-up. And we hear his voice. And it's a little bit of a familiar voice. Not super familiar, but a little bit familiar. And uh, it just cuts back. The roots are just totally destroying the planet so far. And uh, we see the enormous tree. It finally grows. And it is massive. And this is the Shinseiju, the Tree of Might. The rational consumer, as it were. Um, so we cut back to everybody hanging out at uh, Goku's house. And Higher Dragon shows up and he's trying to show them and... You know, Chi-Chi just gets mad and, you know, oh, I thought you guys got rid of him, this and that. And uh, they kind of are trying to blow him off, even though he's trying to show them the tree. And then King Kai reaches out to Goku and he tells him, hey, you got to deal with this. And uh, he says, you know, this this thing, it's going to suck up all the life that you have on this planet and the fact that the roots have taken already it, it kind of means it's too late 
he says, ordinarily only kami-sama, meaning gods, only gods are allowed to eat the fruit that this thing produces. And it gives you incredible power, godly power. And it kills everything around it for centuries. Nothing will be able to grow out for centuries, okay? So, everyone's kind of talking about what they're going to do. And then it cuts back to the Tullus guys. And we get a name for Tullus's group here. And they are called the Crusher Tullus Core. Does it get any cooler? And uh, they're talking about how oh, the, the Tree of Might is so great. And with this, we can even overtake Frieza. So we get a little talk of Frieza here. And uh, if, in case you don't know, by the way, the Dragon Ball Z movies, they don't really fit into the story at all. People try to make them fit, and some kind of do, but they really don't. But uh, even still, <laughs> we, get, uh, we get mention of Frieza here, and it's funny, everybody's talking, and then Melted Cyborg just goes, Duh! <laughs> and uh, we're going to hear that line a couple more times from him. Uh, and then we get a close-up of Tullus, his waist, kind of. We see that he has a tail that he wraps around his waist, like the Saiyans do. So now we know, okay, okay, we've got the Saiyan armor, we've got the scouter, we've got the tail. This guy, he, oh, he's he's a Saiyan, all right. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and give you guys these names for the the Crusher Tullus core. Um, they're rarely mentioned. I think the two butthead characters get their names mentioned, but I don't even know if these other guys get mentioned in the movie. Uh, but I do have them written here. We've got Amond, which is a pun on Almond. He's the big orange guy. He's kind of like the leader, I would say. Then we've got Daizu, which is the Japanese word for soybean. He's the dude with the uh, with uh, the, the cool haircut like my buddy Evan has now that he lives with his girlfriend. He's got a cool man bun going on. We've got Cacao, which is, of course, Cacao. He's the cyborg. He looks like melted fucking Cacao, if you know what I mean. Uh, and then we've got Resin, which is a pun on Raisin, and Rakesi, which is a pun on the Japanese word for Peanut. And those are the two little butthead guys. And, of course, as I mentioned before, Tullus is Lettuce. So uh, there's all their names. Very important stuff. Very, very important stuff. Um, the, the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, Clark and Plop of fucking <laughs> Dragon Ball. Now, uh. So we cut back to to Goku and uh, and the Dragon Team, the Z Fighters, Earth's Mightiest Warriors, whatever they're called. And Goku has this great plan. Get ready for this. Blow the tree away. Hey guys, what if all of us just take the tree and push it somewhere else? Uh, so they they actually <laughs> they go for this. That's funny because I paused the movie to write down that. His plan was blow the tree away. 
and then a few minutes later I resume the movie and uh, they, they go for it <laughs> they go over to the tree and we've got the we've got Chaosu throwing his Dodonpa we've got the Kikoho from Tenshinhan we've got uh, three Kamehameha from Yamcha Krillin and Goku and uh, guess what guys it didn't work it didn't work to blow the tree away so they see the bad guys and then we see Gohan meet up with higher dragon as well and we start fighting we just go for it so Ten and Chaozu fight Rezin and Rakesi we've got uh, they're doing an okay job, but then they start kind of running away. We've got Yamcha versus uh, fucking Cyborg, and Cyborg turns into Iron Man, and he, <laughs> he like, uses these jet boosters on the front of his body to slow down. So it's hilarious because Yamcha and this guy are, like, fl- they're, like, flying down. Yamcha... Yamcha goes behind him so then he kicks on the jet boosters cause he's like no way dude I'm not losing to Yamcha kicks on the jet booster slows down Yamcha then goes in front of him and then Cyborg guy just <laughs> just speeds up again and boom crashes Yamcha into the ground it's, it's so pathetic I mean <laughs> I mean they, they never give Yamcha anything good to do um and then Goku Goku chimes in he's he's fighting um He's fighting Daizu, but he tries to kind of help Yamcha a little bit. Uh, we've got Krillin throwing a Destructo disc at Amond, but he just, like, spins like a fucking Beyblade or something and just throws the Kienzan out, the Destructo disc. He just throws it back. And uh, so they're having a, a pretty hard time. But we do see everybody using their specialty moves, like uh, Tenshinhan, uh, Tien. He, we see him use the Taioken, the Solar Flare. Um, like I said, we've seen the Kienzan, the Destructo Disc from Krillin. Uh, Yamcha actually does the Sokidan, which I think is called Spirit Ball in English. You know, it's like that little ball that he controls with his with his fingers always a always a really cool game in the uh or always a cool move in the in the games i like that move um so yeah even though everybody's using their specialty moves uh it's not it's not going too well uh gohan shows up to help chaozu uh he uses the masenko which he learned from piccolo of course the uh what does that mean demon demon wave Masenko, Demon Blast, I don't know, Demon Beam, I don't know, Demon something, Demon Junior, which would be a cool band name, don't steal it, I call it, um, and then after Gohan helps Chaozu, we finally see Tullus show up, he kind of shows up behind Gohan, and uh, Gohan turns around and he's, Otosan? You know, father? Because we see that Tullus looks damn 
similar to Goku. And I got to say, guys, I just want to take a minute to talk about Tullus's design here because now we don't have the uh, Piccolo cape. We only see the Piccolo cape early on in the movie when he's on the spaceship still. Once he appears on Earth by the tree, uh, it's just the Saiyan armor. But just hear me out, okay? His basic design is Goku. He's got Goku's hair, but it's shaggier. It's like it's like pretty messy looking. Uh, so we've got Goku. His his skin's a little bit of a of a pale gray color. Goku, in the Saiyan armor with the big shoulder pads, with the Piccolo cape, with the pink scouter. I mean, is there anything fucking cooler looking? I gotta be honest. I gotta be honest, guys. I love the design of Tullus. A lot of people give it shit for looking exactly like Goku. And I think there's even some lines in the English dub about how they're cousins or brothers or something stupid, which isn't the case at all. In J- in Japan, all they say is that, uh, you know, oh, us, us low-class warriors only come in a few types, you know? We all look the fucking same. We're just a bunch of, bunch of fucking low-lives, you know? Um, which kind of makes sense. I, I can get behind that. Um, but yeah, I love it, man. Again, it's like it's like a black and dark blue uh, armor, the pink scouter, the f- the f- piccolo cape. Oh man, I love it. And uh, Tullus is voiced by Masako Nozawa. Uh, if this wasn't obvious, I have been watching the Japanese version. <laughs> so uh, Tullus is voiced by Masako Nozawa, who does the voice of Goku. Gohan, Goten, Bardock, uh, and Tullus. She did not do Raditz, though. Um, but yeah, Masako Nozawa, she's been doing Goku's voice since she was, uh, since Goku, you know, episode one, since Goku was a kid, and still does Goku's voice to this day. And I want to say she was like 55 years old when Dragon Ball started, so she's... Or, like, maybe 50, maybe 50 years old. So I know she's in her 80s. Um, and, damn, just awesome. Just awesome stuff. Uh, she kills it. A lot of people who are used to the English uh, are very thrown off by Masako Nozawa's voice when they first hear it because it is an old woman doing the voice of this muscular man by the time we're in Z. Um, but, God, I love it. I seriously love it so much. And what she does for Tullus doesn't sound like Goku. And, and uh, you know, as someone who isn't a Japanese speaker, uh, you can't really pick up on, like, dialects and stuff. You can hear different voices, sure, but, like, you're not really understanding it, you know? You're not really getting the whole context, uh, as opposed to if someone was doing a bunch of different voices and dialects and different speaking patterns and, and, and stuff like that in English where, where you are the native speaker um, so she doesn't sound like Goku Goku has like a from what I've you know been been told a, a like hick dialect um, and she and you know Goku's voice is kind of more high and, and whiny whereas uh, 
the voice she uses for Tullus is more calculated, I guess is a word. You know, it feels, you know, a little bit, a little bit deeper, a little more serious, a little more to the point, you know, and uh, it's awesome. I, I, I just, I love the design and the voice. Tullus. So, Tullus appears behind Gohan, and, you know, he, he says, uh, you know, join me, Luke, you know. Uh, we can rule this galaxy as one, you know. Uh, I'm starting my own paper company, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and before Gohan can really do anything, we see Piccolo show up. Because, of course, that's that's Piccolo's role in uh, these Dragon Ball Z movies. Is when Gohan's in trouble, Piccolo will show up. Even if they're on a different planet. I'm looking at you, movie 7. I'm looking at you. No! Movie 8. I apologize. Movie 8. The Broly movie. How did Piccolo get there? Seriously. How did Piccolo get there? Um, but anyway, so he shows up. He gets completely embarrassed. Just gets wiped. Uh... Then Tullus, <laughs> so Tullus, Tullus uh, again. He embarrasses Piccolo. Piccolo's just out on the floor there. Gohan's out on the floor too, and Tullus is like standing with his foot on on Gohan's uh, back, and he's like, "You're a Saiyan, right? Where's your fucking tail, little boy?" And as soon as he says that, Gohan's tail just is willed into existence. <laughs> it just grows back miraculously. And uh, Tullus is like, you know, um, I gotta do this. I gotta do this thing right. And he makes a uh, a fake moon, like Vegeta does. He makes the fake moon, he throws it up in the air, and then he like, <laughs> he like, fucking holds Gohan's face open, and his eyes open, and he just makes him stare at the uh, at the fake moon there and Goku's trying to make his way over there but uh, he gets stopped by uh, I think it's Daizu and uh, Kakao and he does this awesome thing where he like he like goes up in between them and like double key blast you know on both sides fucking awesome looking <laughs> um kind of hard to exp- kind of hard to explain i'm i'm realizing it's hard to explain a lot of the uh cool visuals of, of dragon ball over podcast but whatever um so goku is you know tied up with that and because of that gohan does turn into the ozaru the great ape and uh, then Tullus like <laughs> destroys the moon, and he's like, "Well, that'd be bad if I turned into an ape too." It's like, "All right, <laughs> why didn't you turn into an ape?" Or whatever. I guess he wasn't looking. But uh, so then the Ozaru just starts beating up Goku, and Piccolo tries jumping in and helping, but Tullus attacks. Uh, Tullus attacks Piccolo too, you know, and he like th- he like blasts the whole the ground or whatever, and then they all fall like through the roots. Like I guess the roots have, you know, made these huge 
holes in the ground or whatever, and they fall. They like fall down into water. It's kind of weird, but whatever. So like they're in this huge cave now, uh, and they're like in the water, and uh, the root, the uh, damn, sorry. Um, so they're down there, and <clears throat> it's Tullus, Ozaru, and Goku, and then Higher Dragon shows up, and, uh, <laughs> you know, Goku is being crushed in, in Great Ape Gohan's hands, and he's screaming, and Gohan's, like, looking at him, you know, and he's, he's thinking, you know, I'm crushing my father, but then Higher Dragon shows up. And Gohan thinks, uh, oh, I like this guy. I remember this guy. He's Icarus. And then, uh, <laughs> Gohan just starts playing with fucking Higher Dragon. It's like, all right. <laughs> I guess you didn't care about your father. Uh, but, you know, whatever. I guess there's the, uh, Goku versus Piccolo debate here about who really is Gohan's father figure. But, uh, so yeah, that's funny. And then, and then while this is all happening, you know, Goku and uh, Tullus argue about the Saiyan nature versus being Earthlings, and how you know Goku and Gohan are Earthlings, and stop calling me Kakarot and all this stuff. And uh, Tullus is like, "Yeah, we'll see about that. We'll see if uh, we'll see if he's not a Saiyan." Boom! Fucking blast higher dragon. Gohan rages out. You know, he's still the great ape and all this. And then Tullus makes this awesome beam animated so well he like he has his hands in front of his chest and he makes like a square and then it turns into a big circle and he holds it over his head throws it down this giant like circle you know kind of like the galactic donuts from the Gotenks uh, thing and uh, throws it down and Goku is like no and he he throws like a a, a disc but not the key ends on, just a different key disc. And it cuts off Gohan's tail, and Gohan turns into a little kid and just goes through the uh, ring beam, you know, rather than getting hit by it because he shrinks down and stuff. And then Go Goku runs and catches Gohan. And uh, Goku's just like, I'm, you know, he says to Gohan, I don't know if I can protect the world, but I will protect you, and I will defeat Tullus. Uh, and then it cuts to theme parks and cities being destroyed and all that. I think it's kind of weird that I guess I guess the roots are still just spreading throughout the whole planet. Maybe that makes sense. But you know, all the all these all this time later we still have some footage of cities being destroyed and like I said a theme park being destroyed and all that and then it zooms out on a brown earth. And uh it's pretty cool looking, man. It's pretty cool looking. And uh, the Crusher Corps shows up, and they have defeated everybody. So we didn't really get to see them defeat everybody, but they have. <laughs> and uh, it's funny because then Goku just starts fighting all five of them at once. And uh, it's pretty cool, man. Like, it's a lot of that looping animation, like I was mentioning before, but it's cool to watch Goku fight all them at once. And he kind of takes them off, like, he kind of take like, uh, he kind of beats them. Hmm. He doesn't beat them off. I don't want to say that. Come on now. That's what she said. 
Uh, anyway, he takes them out one by one. And uh, Piccolo starts fighting with Tullus here. And it's pretty dope. Um, we get a lot of stretchy arms Piccolo stuff, which we haven't seen really uh, since the since like the 23rd Tenkai Chibudokai World Tournament. Um, I haven't really seen many of the stretchy arms thing. So we see that, and then Piccolo whips out the uh, Makako Sapo, the, the special beam cannon. And Tullus point blank just stops it with his hand. And then he's like, fuck you. And he just <laughs> blows up Piccolo. The awesome looking scene of this big, like, purple explosion. Uh, really great looking scene. And uh, just badass, dude. I mean, he stops the fucking special beam cannon with his hand. That shit's awesome. It kind of reminds me of uh, movie eight again, the Broly movie. Goku hitting Broly with that Kamehameha just, like, right there. And. <laughs> Probably just walks, walks through it, you know, um, and uh, even even though Piccolo loses there, we see that Goku does beat the Crusher core though. The other five losers, and uh, Tullus says, "Join me," and uh, you know he's been eating the fruit. He says that he's been repeatedly repeatedly eating the fruit so I don't know if I've ever caught that that before um, although we see him eat we see him eat multiple fruits a couple times but I guess the implication is that like they've done this to a bunch of planets and like he's been eating a bunch of fruits uh, I guess I I guess like, going into this viewing I thought you could only eat one but he says this line, and then we actually do see him eat, like, two or three throughout the movie. Um, so, you know, he, sa he says this great line here. The difference in our power is that of heaven and earth. Um, and then it just goes around. We see, you know, a bunch of different shots of nature, of the planet dying. Everything's brown. Uh, there's a cool shot of flowers that shatter like glass and, like, blow in the wind. Pretty cool. Um... And, but then we get Goku saying, hey, forget it, man. I'm, I'm glad to be an Earthling, you know? I'm glad I'm not a, a sign like you are. I'm glad I'm not you. You know, I'm glad I hit my head when I was a kid, he says. And uh, so they start fighting. They go up the tree. And it's kind of hard to explain if you, if you don't, if you haven't seen it. But, like, I guess they're just, they're just making it work, you know? So, like, there's, like, this room in the tree. You can go up into it, and there's a room there, and that's where all of the uh, the fruit grow. I don't even know what the fruit are called. I don't have it written here in my notes. I don't think they've been called anything. Probably in a, in, you know, a guidebook or something. But they go up there. They're fighting up the tree. They get into the room. Tullus eats a fruit, and he's just fast as hell. Bam, he whips across the room, hits him, knocks him down, and then we get a really cool shot of, like, a bunch of beam volleys. You know, a bunch of wisping around uh, beams from Tullus hitting Goku. Goku's getting destroyed here. He goes Kaioken times ten, 
and still gets destroyed. And he actually gets the uh, the knee to the gut and then the double axe handle to the back. But he's, like, right above a root. So he doesn't, like, go flying down into the ground. He just double axe handle right into, <laughs> right into a root right there. And then Talos just bum, 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 just key blasts at that point blank, just ripping them apart. And uh, then it just gets pretty somber and... We get a lot of shots of uh, of of Tullus like going back up into the tree, and I think he eats another fruit here. And we get Goku just like laying there, looking completely cut up and uh, and defeated. And then we get uh, the classic: everybody has telepathy, which does happen in the series. Particularly with Goku, I think once he meets uh, Kaiosama, he like learns telepathy. But then, like everyone in the, like in the movies, especially, I keep bringing up movie eight, but like and a movie eight is the same thing. Like I feel like everybody has telepathy. I feel like that's not really a thing in the original manga and all that. But everyone starts talking to uh, Goku. And they're like, hey, you know, we're still here. We're still alive. You know, they didn't kill us. Uh, we're still alive. We're here. We've got some energy. You got to hit him with the Genki Dama, the uh, the spirit bomb, as it were. And uh, this is where we get that that other song I was mentioning, where it's uh, like the room, the room of spirit and time song. Just awesome, awesome music in this movie and in the whole series. I'm telling you guys. Um, telling you fucking folks out there uh so the dragon team they they come up the z fighters whatever you want to call them they come up and uh they start fighting tullus while goku gathers the energy and you know it's the classic uh the classic spirit bomb speech of you know uh the land and the sea and animals uh give me your energy whatever else and it's a small spirit bomb, like the one he uses against Vegeta, not like the big one that he uses against uh, Frieza or Boo at the end. Like that, it's a small, like handheld one. Because uh, that's really all it was, I think, at this point in the series, anyway. But he throws it at Tullus, and Tullus just blasts right through it. He throws a, a bigger key blast right through it. And they actually explain here that the Genki Dama was weak because the Earth is dying. I actually thought that was a really good detail because at first I was like, damn, like, all right, they're they're making Tullus, like, really powerful, I guess. But I thought that was really cool of the detail of the Genki Dama being weak because the Earth is, you know, fucking dead. Um, so then we just get, we get a lot of, uh, we get a shot again of the tree. And the visuals in this movie are, are, are really cool. I know I'm doing a bad job of explaining that, but, you know, the tree is huge and it it its branches are like way above the sky and it makes the whole sky dark and then there's like these big vines that just hang down and man if you if you've never seen it just just look up the tree of might just look just do some uh some ask.com image results for the tree of might and uh you'll see what I'm talking about you'll get the Ian Corlett Ask.com. I think that is his name. Going back to that from before. I think it's Ian Corlett. 
the first voice of Goku. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the, we're, we are getting to the end here. So uh, Tullus is eating more fruit, and uh, and again after after he hit him with the Genki Dama, it was kind of like everyone was wiped out again, you know? Like, Tullus beat off the, the Z-Fighters. He fucking blasted the Spirit Bomb back and, and you know, hit hits Goku with his own Key Blast. So, Goku's out for the count here, and then he starts seeing the light, but not the light of death. No, no, no. The light of the Shin Seiju. Shin Seiju. Excuse me, I kind of... Kind of sucks, I said my shit, you know? You know what I'm saying. Uh, so, the Shin Seiju doesn't talk, but it, it it's pretty much like communicating with him and saying, like, hey, I'm going to give you my energy, you know? And Goku, he's got his arm reaching up. There's some dialogue here. And uh, he starts taking the energy from the actual tree of might itself and Tullus is up in the room with the fruit and like all the fruit are glowing red and he's kind of like oh god like what the hell is happening here and then Goku shows up they have a great stare off an awesome uh, Dragon Ball standoff and just (laughs) just like that out of nowhere Goku throws this fucking spirit bomb at him and uh, it's awesome. It, it looks a lot like uh, when he hits Vegeta, like that very uh, scratchy lines. Uh, everything's white and, and like some black lines, you know, like very stretched out face. If you've, if you've seen the Vegeta, the Vegeta fight, you know what I'm talking about. Um, pretty much, <laughs> honestly... Tullus might as well have been Vegeta. Like, it, it looks exactly the same. Uh, you know, like, his face and all. Um, but it goes up. It, it fucking kills him for, like, ten minutes, it felt like, because it just keeps going up the tree. It's breaking apart the tree, the, the, the Genkidama, the spirit bomb. It's breaking apart the tree and everything. And, uh, yeah, it blows that fucking shit up. And then, like, the whole world, like, ha- like half of the world at first, but then the whole world... It's just gold. Everything is gold, and uh, pretty fancy. And then, and then, but then all this dust starts falling. This like fairy dust just starts falling everywhere, and uh, it's the energy from from the tree, you know. And everything starts coming back to life. And buildings aren't being rebuilt or anything like that. But like animals are coming back to life, and and. Uh, we see, you know, the zoom out of Earth turn from brown back to blue, and um, yeah, it's great. And and uh, Kyle explains that this works because, uh, you know, oh well, the tree sucked up the energy from the Earth, so then the Earth's energy plus the tree's energy makes even more energy to go back to the Earth whatever some dumb shit like that and uh we get some shots of nature and then it just ends everybody's back to camping same crowd as as the beginning of the movie we've got go 
Gohan. Uh, I think Goku might be here this time. Uh, you know, Oolong, Roshi, Bulma, just back to camping, back to business, business as usual. Uh, business, right? Bo body, bo body. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's it. I mean, that's the tree of might, and uh, I've. I think talked about it for longer than it actually fucking is, which is horrendous, but, uh, it's great stuff. Like I said, this, this was one of my favorites growing up. And I think even to this day, it holds up really well. You know, it's a little bit of like just fighting the bad guy kind of, which all these Dragon Ball Z movies are, but, uh, it's a great one. It's got that old school, uh, animation style too, you know, we weren't we weren't in the Boo saga yet, um, so it's kind of got that old Saiyan arc look. I mean, it's the Frieza arc, but it's got that old look. And uh, yeah, the ending theme is a is a bop, uh, as the kids, all well, these kids would say, a bopper, kids bop. And um, yeah, I think I have held you here long enough. I truly apologize for being so rambly, especially in this Dragon Ball portion. I was getting very lost in my notes, but whatever. Um, I hope you had fun. I had a lot of fun. I had uh, more fun than I thought I would. <laughs> uh, it took me a couple takes to get started, uh, and I was feeling a little nervous. I was feeling a little worried, but um, this was good. I definitely want to do some more episodes. Um I have a lot of stupid ideas and I hope that uh I hope that everybody sticks around. So hey, if you like if you like what you hear, give me a four star Dragon Ball rating. And uh no. No. Um do reach out to me somehow though. I don't know. I'd love to talk to you. I gotta you know, if this keeps going I'll I'll make some more accounts for random people to talk to me at and whatever else. Um But yeah, I think that's it for this this episode, Tree of Dwight. Um, not sure how to wrap up. Uh, Kamehameha, that's what she said. Ugh, I don't know. Thank you. Goodbye.